0: If we just lead by example and just continue to do the things with consistently, at some point, we have to hope that they will catch on, start to ask questions, and start to become interested in why it is we're doing the things that we're doing. Welcome to Gut Check Radio, the health and wellness podcast giving you the confidence to trust in your gut. I'm your host, Dr. Nick Belden, a board certified chiropractic physician and functional medicine practitioner. And just for those of you who are aware, the contents of this podcast are for educational purposes only and are not intended to diagnose or treat any condition and do not apply any of this information you hear in this podcast without first speaking with your physician. Well, hello, Gut Check Radio listeners. Another episode, Gut Check Radio, Dr. Nick here, episode 33. This is kind of a cool moment for me. 33 was actually my middle school football number, (laughs) so... Thank you all for making me relive some very painful memories of not playing that much. <laughs> no, I, no, I remember back to that time when I was ten and old, ten or eleven, you know, when I picked that number, i I thought it was so cool because my one of my favorite players, I think his name was Wally Lundy. He played for the University of Virginia football team. He's one of my favorite players, like I said. And I always thought it looked would look really cool to wear thirty three. And I always thought it was cool to wear a number that was just two of the same numbers back to back. So I'm sure that's a lot more information you wanted on my illustrious middle school football career than you ever could have asked for, but so goes my life. Anyways, as the title of this one goes, this one I'm very, I, I just think, you know, I had two very prominent situations this past week where it was very obvious that my patient's health was being scrutinized slash not supported by their family members. In the first instance, obviously I'm not gonna, I'm gonna leave their names out of it. In the first instance, a woman that I'm working with is trying to improve her metabolic health, and part of that comes with weight loss, naturally. And she, her goal, which again, I, I don't tell people that we specifically work with weight loss. I say, you know, weight loss a lot of times comes as a side effect of creating health. But her part of her goals in improving her weight was to lose lose a hundred pounds, but she also understands that she wants to get healthier more so than anything. And we've been making progress. And more importantly, she's bought into the idea of, if you want it to be a sustainable approach, you're going to do different habits. So you're not going to crash diet. You're not going to destroy yourself on the elliptical or the Stairmaster for hours at a time, you're going to enjoy your body. And you're, we're going to work through and enjoy the process of the metabolic health improvements and weight loss coming as a side effect. And she showed me a text message from her mother that told her, you know, sweetie, I'm really, I love you and I just want to be really supportive. And I just think it would be a good idea if we started you on this weight loss program. And I asked the patient, you know, what does the weight loss program entail? And as most of them do, it's, you know, very low calories. 600 calories at a time, a crash dieting for six to eight weeks, probably with taking these different shakes, meal replacements or supplements, and probably destroying yourself on a cardiovascular or a machine of your choice. And she, she, as she's saying this to me, she starts crying and she goes, how do I tell my family member that this isn't what I want? And I, I I just felt i I felt for her so much because to finally be bought into the journey and finally to be enjoying the process and to be enjoying and appreciative of her body rather than feeling like it's working against her and to get a message from a loved one saying hey I think you should go back to what you've tried before that hasn't worked I just really felt for her and then what's crazy is when you unpack Why her mother would say that I start asking her, you know, did your mom suffer from weight or weight issues? And she goes, yeah She tried a bunch of different things. She tried a bunch of different crash diets and she never could really maintain it And you start to put together that it's the insecurity Born out of the family member that leads to her putting that off onto her daughter which I will never be a mother. Obviously I'm not currently a parent. So I have no idea what that feels like when you're in that position and you really want to help her child because based on that message, you can tell that she really cared and she obviously really loves and wants to be supportive of her daughter. But it sounds like that the insecurity that the family member had of their own issues, when they're passed down to your, your children, it's almost, or your other family members, it's not fair. If, if there was one thing i wish people understood more it's that when we pass our insecurities on to other people we're not helping the process if anything we are just further facilitating insecurity to continue to happen down generations and i you know we talked with her about different strategies that she can say and she even showed me the messages where she told her family member hey i'm on this path it's slower but it's working for me and more importantly it's one that I enjoy and I think it's most sustainable and I will I will admit I'll give this fam- other family member credit she responded and said you know I understand that I'm just I want to help I want to make sure that you're healthy and again as as a mother I can totally understand wanting to give the best to your children so that was one instance the second instance was a little bit different circumstance uh, another female patient of mine I'm working with who Sleep is a a big contributor to a lot of her current health concerns. She has trouble falling asleep. She's having trouble staying asleep. So much so that the best sleep she gets, she told me, is from 5 to 6 a.m. The best sleep she gets is an hour before her alarm goes off. And as you can imagine, that just lends itself to not very good quality of life and to having energy levels be a bit of an issue living day to day. And as you start to unbox, I'm trying to think of a different word. Everyone says unpack. We're going to say unbox from the rest of this podcast. As you unbox what's going on with her sleep routine, you find out that her husband wants her to go to bed at the same time she does. And a lot of times she isn't ready to go to bed, so she almost feels forced to go to bed at the same time. And then you uncover that the husband where he sleeps in the bedroom makes it hard for her to go to, you know, he sleeps in the middle and she, it's hard for her to get comfortable in that manner. And you just, again, you start to uncover or unbox that it sounds like there is this other family member, we'll call him the husband is really playing a factor in my patient's ability to sleep. And again, I keep troubleshooting. I keep asking her, you know, could you do this? Could you try this? And she goes, I've tried but he he doesn't like it when I do this or that or anything like that and it's just it's hard and you realize when you're working with people that there is just so many potential blockades that can happen from really close family members and again I don't I don't think they're doing it intentionally I just think that they are maybe there's some unawareness as to the impact that they're having or maybe they just they don't practice those health principles themselves so again Maybe it's an insecurity that is driving them to not want to do that. And it's just a really tough challenge to take on. And Joe and I discussed this in a prior podcast. I forget which episode it was where we talked about when we're at family gatherings. And when a nutritional question comes up, they would always ask us something or maybe make a little remark. And, you know, just always you always try to think of different ways that you can navigate it. But it's tough. So I hope what we're about to get into is four ways that I thought of that could be helpful in terms of how to, excuse me, four different ways, some helpful, maybe some not, just so you have a a comparison of ways that you can approach handling family members who don't seem to be supportive of your health journey. One thing you could do is lead by example. I have sort of started to develop this practice myself when dealing with just people in general who maybe aren't aware of why I'm doing it is the things that I'm doing. I just choose to, Hey, I'm just going to continue to act them out and lead by doing rather than just talking about it. And I will wait for them to bring it up rather than me initiating conversation around it. Because from my experience, Unless they're ready to discuss it, unless they bring it up, they they don't want to hear you babble or go on about XYZ sleep thing and how it's helpful for temperature and deep and cognition and focus and all that. If we just lead by example and just continue to do the things with consistently, at some point, we have to hope that they will catch on, start to ask questions and start to become interested and why it is we're doing the things that we're doing. So if I can use a parallel to the patient of mine who's struggling with her mother, if she can, and, and this is hard to do, if you can continue to maintain, you know, that slow and steady pace with the improvements in metabolic health and subsequently weight and body composition, you know, because we want to maintain lean muscle as much as possible. We'll lose some, but that's, a, you know, it's par for the course. If you can just continue to live that, and when you go hang out with them, continue to Take part in the habits, the practices that led you to to those improvements, and just do it enough times around them. And again, hopefully, 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 that family member will catch on and start to ask questions. Because, like I said, if you if you go to a, a family gathering or get together or any sort of social event with family, and you start to to showboat. But, oh, yeah, I'm eating food out of Tupperware because I'm trying to maintain body fat or, you know, I have a show coming up or, oh, you know, because I because I care about my body. I've heard someone say that before, actually, and that's when you say it from that perspective, you start to <laughs> you start to portray that everybody who is health conscious is just arrogant and an a-hole. And to me, I think that's almost that's almost an insecurity on that person themselves that they aren't comfortable enough around themselves or why it is that they're currently doing that. So if we can lead by example and decide to only bring it up if brought up to, I think that will really help people to understand that it can be part of a lifestyle. You know, sometimes when people say it's it's a lifestyle, not a diet, I, I don't think that's the most helpful statement in the world. But I think what is helpful is for people to understand that it's the daily habits that really make us who we are. You know, the book Atomic Habits I think was so helpful for me in understanding that it's these micro habits that really dictate our macro perspectives and really our macro values and really the things that play out in our life. The second way I wrote down that you could handle it is you could just listen to them. Now, what I wanted to do here is compare a good one to maybe a not so great one. In this instance, the good one being lead by example, maybe the not so good one being listen to them, but maybe there might be some benefits to listening to them. And here's an example. So if you're at a social gathering, and someone is encouraging you to, you know, come on, it's just one drink, you can do it, it's not going to hurt you, you could, in theory, decide to have that drink. And what you could do is you could have that drink and then proceed to walk around for 15 or 20 minutes to try and sort of clear out the alcohol and the the byproducts such as acetylaldehyde. Or you could also have a higher protein, higher vegetable meal before or after you drink in order to support your liver and your blood sugar as they handle the likely side effects associated from alcohol. So kind of what you're doing here is you're combining leading by example and listening to them. And this kind of used to be me because I used to be very much a people pleaser and not wanting people to ostracize me or not not wanting myself to think people were ostracizing me. So I would, I would take part in some of the stuff, but then I would, behind closed doors, I'd be like, all right, I'll be right back. And I would just go for a 10 to 15 minute walk having a piece of cake or a piece of pizza because I was trying to, quote unquote, you know, burn it off or do the other thing. And while I don't think that's the most sustainable approach, I mean, I think there are instances where that could be helpful. Or if we return to the, the case of my patient, Who is going through her metabolic health and weight loss journey she could embark upon that crash diet that her family member recommended she could live through the experience of struggling to maintain the weight loss because if you do these crash diets they will quote unquote work in the short term and you will lose weight is it sustainable nine times out of ten probably not so you can embark upon that you could live through the crash diet you could live through the experience of struggling to maintain the weight loss and then proceed to tell your family member, see, I told you so, you could do that. Again, I don't think that's a great idea and I really don't know if anybody has ever done that just for the sake of being able to tell someone, see, I told you so, maybe, I mean, there's, it takes a whole different kinds of people to make those worlds go around. And while I have, I used to choose this route and maybe 10 or so years ago when I was first getting into it because I was really insecure. You know, part of what drove me into fitness was and nutrition was insecurities. But lately, I really haven't chosen this route at all. And if you really want to listen to them or take part in the opposite of the act they're trying to support of you, say you're trying to avoid sugar or alcohol, or are you seeing them once a week? Obviously, there's an entire bandwidth of frequencies between those two, but say you're seeing someone once a week, maybe doing nothing isn't at the top of your list. <laughs> you know, and in, in that case, I think you need to do the last option that I'll bring up in a little bit. And I've actually chosen this route more times than I would like to admit of doing nothing. Especially, you know, I've, I've, I've lived in six or seven different different states, let me think, let me count in my head real quick. So I've lived in five states. And I have family members who live all over the country. And so I don't really, there's some family members who I don't see that often. And when I do see them, you know, there's my health is at some point always discussed. Uh, you know, at first I thought it was super cool and I loved the the vanity and the recognition. Now I just, you know, I, I want to part sometimes just fit in and, <laughs> and just feel normal like everybody else. So what I used to do is... I just wouldn't pay it any attention. I would just laugh it off with them, just make a funny joke, probably a self-deprecating joke, as a lot of us do when we're put in those moments. But in hindsight, that probably wasn't the most desired approach every time. But sometimes, like I said, if I knew I was was not going to see them again for a long time, I just knew the the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. And I, I would just put up with that couple hours once every year of, the questions the the comments the whatever it would be about my my health nutritional or lifestyle habits and sometimes it wasn't helpful to do that and I was most importantly I was okay with knowing that you know for that hour or two it was gonna be what it was gonna be and you know I mentioned that maybe that's not the top of your list if you're going to see this family member with any sort of frequency maybe once a week maybe you live with them who knows in that case the fourth way you could handle it and i i think this way is the most impactful it's also probably the hardest is to have that very uncomfortable conversation with them telling them hey i have this goal and what you're doing is not supporting it and i think you know why this is so difficult is because if you say it in the wrong way they will probably or your family member will probably feel personally attacked and like you don't love them and you don't care, and you are just judging them for not engaging in what you're doing. So this is easier said than done, obviously, but if you can approach it from a place of love, non-judgment, and wanting to help them and wanting to see them improve, that's the right way to do it. And inevitably, if you choose to embark upon having that uncomfortable conversation, there there might be a little bit of an education tool. And if they're an open-minded human or person, they might even ask you, because a lot of times you know when people have these insecurities once you sort of and the in the right person at the right time if you ask the right question about their insecurity they will open up more and and ask questions to you to try and understand once if they start to ask questions to try and understand that's a very promising sign so to use the example of say the patient of mine who's struggling with sleep she could you know she could sit her husband aside and tell him you know look i think this would be a net benefit for our relationship, you know, if you really want to get to people, the book, how to win friends and influence people taught me, you know, tell them what's in it for them. So if, if you say, Hey, you know, I I understand that you want us to go to sleep at the same time, but I will tell you that our ability to spend quality time will only be enhanced. My ability to do whatever it is, you know, whatever things they've decided to do in their relationship, maybe one of them cooks, cleans, picks up the children, what have you, you know, whatever thing I've we've agreed upon to do. I will be able to perform better and maybe be able to be more present with the time that we do spend together if you let me sleep in the following XYZ manner. I think if you approach it from telling them what benefits they are going to get out of your health goals, because a lot of times I think what happens is people, if they don't see a benefit for you doing your health things, they almost just think you're being selfish. And yes, to an extent, I like to say the best way to be selfless is to be selfish for some of the time because then you have more bandwidth to help people. But if you can make it click within them that what you're doing is also going to benefit them, you might be able to get to them. Again, approach it from a, a, a place of love. Don't shame them. Don't judge them. Don't tell them that they should be doing this. They are going to, just like we talked about with example one of lead by example, they are going to have to arrive at that conclusion On their own for it to be lasting if anyone else tries to put it in front of them or if anyone else tries to tell them how to do it all it's gonna do is make it worse I read I read this book called mistakes were made but not by me one of the most game-changing books I've ever read about cognitive dissonance and how we justify things the more you try to tell someone to do something they don't want to do the more they will justify why they're not doing it and the more cognitive dissonance they will create around the situation. So don't force it upon them. Approach them with love, not judgment, and just wanting to be supportive and helpful of them. And I think that's, you know, if we can combine the approaches of leading by example, and then if you're going to see them with any sort of frequency, having that very uncomfortable conversation, that will that will be the best one-two combo, in my opinion, for getting them to be supportive. Because we all know, and from my experience, is one of the the best predictors of people's health outcomes is do they have a positive social support system. That's why on our intake forms and our practice, we ask people about their support system. Who do you have in your life that supports you? And time and time again, the more supportive the spouse, even the children, the friends, the immediate family, who a lot of times friends can serve as family to some people, the more supportive they are, the more likely we are to achieve the outcome of better health. And I'm very fascinated by this topic. So if anybody listening has something from their own personal experiences, that is something that I didn't talk about today that was helpful or even not beneficial for them because it's also beneficial to know what didn't work, you know, feel free to let me know in my Instagram DMs or, you know, you can reach out to me in the different communication signals, email via the show notes because I, I just think it's selfishly, I want to know how to help my 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 patients and help them through these difficult situations. So if anyone has any experiences Listening that they found helpful or that led their family member to even, you know, make that change that they were doing. That would that would just be so profound to hear. So I appreciate you guys listening to me and holding on for this episode a little different, a little more, you know, less sciencey and just more the psychology behind some of the different things in the health and wellness space. Because you do this long enough and I haven't even done that long, but even for some period of time and you realize that the psychology and the environment is almost just as impactful as the biochemistry or all the fancy pathways that we like to learn. So if anyways, I hope you guys found this episode helpful. And I thank you for thank you all for trusting me to be a part of your day. If you enjoyed the show and found it informative or entertaining, we invite you to share the love by leaving a five-star rating or review on your podcast platform of choice or by sharing this episode with your family and friends. And until next time, trust in your gut.